Welcome to the St. Barnabas Anglican Church Podcast. We share sermons, teachings, and messages from St. Barnabas Anglican Church in Fort Worth, Texas. I'm Father Andrew, the senior pastor at the church, and I'm glad you're listening today. You're always invited to worship in person on Sunday mornings at 8 and 10 a.m. and on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. You can also visit us online at stbarnabas.us. That's S-T-B-A-R-N-A-B-A-S dot U-S. And now, enjoy the podcast. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Again, I pray that this finds each of you well, wherever you are, tuning in from this morning. In the face of these unprecedented events, we find encouragement and hope in the pages of Scripture, as we always do, whether in times of panic or peace. And as we turn to God's Word this morning for direction in His goodness, we have before us perhaps one of the most beloved and well-known portions of Scripture in Psalm 23. As you likely know, in the Anglican tradition, we don't pick our readings week by week, but rather we follow a three-year cycle in a goal of trying to hear and receive as much of God's Word week after week as we can. And so in God's goodness, and may I say even in His providence on this first day, as we begin worshiping in a new way, we have all Sundays this passage before us. I share that because it's a tremendous gift of me. It's one of the most well-known portions of all of Scripture. I imagine many of you know it by heart. It's one that even those who aren't even a part of the household of faith uh, here culturally uh, are at least aware of. Because in it we find comfort, but we also find challenge and ways to conform our lives more into the likeness of Jesus, which is our upward call as Christians to bring ourselves more fully under his reign and rule, which occurs, of course, as we hear, receive, digest, and apply his words for us in our lives. So I invite you to grab your bulletin this morning, or grab your Bible more importantly, and open up with me uh, to Psalm 23. I'll be using the English Standard Version, but follow along in whatever translation you might have, as things might uh, pop off as we ask the Holy Spirit to guide our conversation this morning. Let's look at the context of the passage and also find some pastoral implications, at least two major ones that are highlighted for us this morning therein, as we walk with Jesus and even as we walk together as the body of Christ, bound together by the Holy Spirit while we may not be physically together this morning. Verses 1 through 4 give us this image, as you see and as you know, of God as the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd, God made man, Jesus himself, embodies this whole motif in these verses and beyond through his life and ministry. But as you know, he teaches on them uh, quite clearly in John chapter 10 uh, and elsewhere as he draws that direct connection that he and he is the Good Shepherd. Verse 1 captures this theme, reminding us that the Lord is our shepherd, and as such, we find ourselves lacking nothing. A shepherd in biblical times was 
uh, charge of the care of his sheep, as you know. And the psalmist takes this imagery even further, that the good shepherd doesn't just care for the sheep, but does so with such um, uh, excellence that the sheep are not only tended to, but fully satisfied. They're not only fed and their thirst quenched, but they rest in the presence of their shepherd, uh, content and full. Perhaps with a little extra time on your hands, uh, you might want to pick up one of these resources, but there are many written by some uh, beloved uh, members of the household of faith who are shepherds that actually highlight from a shepherd's point of view passages such as these. One by Philip Keller is of a great uh, note. And from a shepherd's point of view, he notes that uh, sheep graze continually. So in verse 1, when the sheep lie down in green pastures, it means that they are so full, they're so satisfied, that there's nothing left for them to do but to lie down, as he does in prosperous times as well. So even though we may not have as much surrounding us at times, we still have an abundance of peace. Perhaps even more so than those who have, um, you know, 52 weeks of toilet paper stocked up around them in their homes, because we take heart that we're not trusting in ourselves to provide for ourselves, but rather we lean into the one who created it all to provide and sustain us. And so it's for that reason, in verse 3, that he reminds us that God will restore our soul. We find our peace, our rest in him. A peace that cannot be found in anything or anyone apart from him. And so we're called to place our confident trust in him once more. As we do so, God will lead us in paths of rightness, or right paths, righteousness, for his name's sake. Because that's who he is. God is provider. It's part of his nature to sustain and preserve all that he has created. Consequently, in verse 4, as we read that even faced with the valley of the shadow of death, as many traditional uh, passages translate that, it also could be tra translated uh, in the valley of deep darkness. Sheep, when they couldn't see how far out they were going, or even maybe the next steps before them, could lean into the comfort of the shepherd's rod, which would kind of tap them this way and that to lead them back and forth through such passages of darkness. He would also use the shepherd, that is, his crook, uh, to even quite gently guide them back on the right pathways. And these things were a comfort to the sheep. Similarly, God not only provides for us physically, but he protects us, he sustains us in times such as these when we don't know what's happening, when we're not sure what the next steps will be, when we don't know how long this will carry on, when we don't know what will await us in terms of our finances or anything else. God has the long days on. God is still on this planet, and God is still guide us and direct us through as we can see his face. His word provides clarity in such times as uh, we receive it, as we press into him in prayer, whereby God directs our steps and guides us on Very comfort indeed. And for those of the household of faith, for his church, the imagery is so rich here, as we're reminded of corporately in our life together. Those waters that still our soul lead us into the community of the household of faith into the waters of baptism, whereby our souls find peace. The rod of his word, week after week, guides and directs us in the right paths. And we can even remember, although he's not 
that shepherd staff that reminds us that in his office, passed down through the ages, he is charged with that comforting role of maintaining and preserving the faith uh, as has always been done and as will always be done until Jesus himself steps forward in that role in those final days. The imagery is deep, and it should be a great comfort to us in times such as these. Now, as we move forward into the final two verses, we discover another theme. We don't move around away from this theme of God as a protector and provider, but adding to it, we discover that God is our host. As we look with thanksgiving toward where we are headed with joyful anticipation. While the shepherding imagery is not as explicit in these verses, um, it no less applies. The good shepherd, Jesus himself, not only provides and protects for his own, uh, but he loves them. And he wants fellowship with his people. If you remember, um, as Jesus teaches on this, he shows how the good shepherd is different from the hireling. The hireling doesn't just um, care for the flock in the way that the good shepherd does. It's a job to a hireling. But to the good shepherd, to Jesus, it's not just a role to provide and protect, but um, the unique thing about Christianity itself is that God made man and Jesus Christ steps down off of his throne into his creation to be with all of his created human beings. Not only to love us, but to lay down his life for us. Um, as we're reminded of in this season of Lent, as we journey towards the cross, but then um, as he's raised from the dead, death itself cannot triumph over him. And as he ascends to his rightful place in glory, um, he dwells our hearts there fixed upon him so that we might abide in his presence for all eternity, if we would turn to him, if we would return to him, and if we would follow him. So bearing that in mind, as we look at verse 5, if you look back to it with me, the good shepherd then provides his banquet. He anoints his guests, he cleans them up, and they enjoy him even in the face of their enemies. We see that this good shepherd is so powerful, Jesus himself, that even in the face of his enemies, or we could even say even in the face of adversities, the joy is still found in his presence. There is not despair, but delight, even in the face of what's before him. So in these days, practically speaking, in the face of this pandemic and all that we have around us, we can find delight over dread, faith over fear as we press into the good shepherd in Jesus. And our cup overflows because all we have uh, is contained in good meals. And the imagery of our heads being anointed with oil might call to mind uh, what happens in the waters of baptism, whereby we are chrismated and marked as Christ's own forever, so that we can persevere with him, having nothing to fear, but being nourished with the cup of salvation, which we partake of, or even lift our hearts to partake of in these days from which we drink out week after week at the banqueting table, we're reminded at the end of the journey, whereby we meet our Savior Jesus face to face, and whereby we abide in joy and at peace in the banquet in his presence forevermore. The imagery is so rich, and there's so much for us to reflect on. Finally, this psalm that we know so well ends on a high note of confidence. And indeed, Goodness and mercy will follow us as we dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Did you notice that? It says, goodness and mercy will follow us as we dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
Such goodness and mercy comes as we abide, as we remain, as part of the household of faith in the church. If I can mix metaphors here as I've been doing a bit, um, we're reminded in the waters of baptism one of the prayers that's prayed in this tradition uh, alludes to an ark or a boat that carries us through the turbulent trials and chances of this life. And so we're reminded, of course, that as we abide and stay in that boat, we connect with one another even in digital forms and ways um, we persist, we persevere for our heavenly home. And so these words of scripture lead us where we want to, not only to comfort us, but to call us to conform our lives more in the likeness of the good shepherd, of Jesus himself. Conversely, as I close, let me leave you with this point of comfort, both for our own soul's sake, but also to give a little clarity on what we encounter in the world around us. This psalm depends upon the good shepherd and the benefits he brings. If we were to read this psalm by removing the good shepherd and his benefits, I want to read it to you and let you see what that looks like in our lives. Beginning in verse 1, we would basically begin, My, I shall be in want. Verse 2, me, me. Verse 3, my soul and me. Verse 4, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear. Me, me. Verse 5, in the presence of my enemies, my head and my cup. Verse 6, all the days of my life, I have been blessed. I share that because this morning we're reminded that apart from life in the Good Shepherd, abiding in the Good Shepherd, we're left with ourselves and a reliance upon ourselves, which is a fearful thing. And it consumes us with lesser things. We're seeing this magnified. And the culture around us these days. And as we do so, I think first we have to look inwardly at ourselves and say, if we're fearful or we're anxious, maybe we need to go to the Lord and ask for this comfort. Maybe we read through this psalm every night before we go to bed rather than watching the latest news reports so that these words might wash over us and remind us of who we are. Um, if we are anxious and we pick up all the anxiety of others from the grocery store, might we ask God? for our needs and turn these around in a prayerful way, and perhaps even repent and return to the Lord for the ways that we don't place our trust in Him. But also, we're called to take note that the world that does not know Jesus lives in this state, and that is the world in which we encounter in a magnified way with Him. And so, there's a great opportunity, not for us only to just take comfort in heart, but to speak these truths in love. To co-workers, to clerks at the grocery store, the neighbors that we're actually seeing with more regularity now, um, to sowing seeds that God may bring into growth, the watering seeds that have sown, uh, as He hopes and desires and longs for all hearts to be drawn to Him. So consider as you see the digital Bible studies next week, digital youth group, uh, in Sunday school, and small group meetings. Maybe invite someone into this. Might even be less threatening than having to come to a church, engage a guy that looks like this. Um, and they would be with you in the comfort of their own homes. Reach out to them in their fear. Ask them how they're doing, not merely about their toilet paper stockpile, but how are they doing mentally? And maybe they might open up and share, you know, I'm just afraid. I don't know what's happening. Maybe my job's on the line. You might have an inroad to the gospel that you've never had before because of these things. You might be able to point them to the comfort of the scripture or just simply say, may I pray for you? 
Because my prayer, as I know it's been the prayer of many, perhaps you as well, is that on the other side of this, more hearts might emerge, placing their trust in God. More homes might find peace that is only found in his presence, as the psalmist reminds us. And that more households might be added to the household of faith. That we would have record numbers of baptisms as hearts realize that we can't uh, find hope anywhere else apart from placing it in Jesus. So that the whole world might be drawn back to him, discovering the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, as Lord. May it begin with us as we draw our hearts back to him in this season. But may we also find ways that he so bold as to draw those around us to find him. So that they, as we're reminded this morning, might find him to be provider, protector, and preserver in the very end of days, so that all might be the joy of that final day where he emerges uh, and we see him um, in his glory once more, so that we abide with him around that banqueting table forever. Where there is no pain or grief, there is no sickness, sorrow, or death, there is no shortage of any things, but all things are made right as he restores all things forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to the St. Barnabas Anglican Church Podcast. May the Lord bless you and keep you this week, and we'll see you next time. This episode of the St. Barnabas Anglican Church Podcast is copyright 2020, St. Barnabas Anglican Church in Fort Worth, Texas, all rights reserved.